0: welcome ladies and gentlemen to inside the cage i am your host terrell campbell and i am your man jerome span all right ladies home for all things mma pro wrestling and yes we do talk about entertainment until well until a few months from now when we're gonna start talking about what is that, Jerome?
1: Football! I and mean, it's really not like a couple months from now. I mean, preseason's already started up. So uh once those Bears get started on their uh, preseason games, we'll be talking about Chicago football.
0: Cause uh, you know,
1: the Bears, they got a quarterback now.
0: Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> I have been I've been keeping keeping tabs on that. And you know what else I'm keeping tabs on, Jerome. UFC 265, that's right. And Jerome, let's just be honest, when, when it comes to UFC 265, does it really excite anybody? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. The, the whole card is just basically a big no. And that's the thing, like I say, they have great fighters on the card, but in terms of the actual card – I mean, in terms of the main event, Jerome, I've been very adamant in the fact that, well, UFC two sixty five lost a lot of luster for me with the loss of Amanda Nunez versus Juliana Pena, and it's not even about Juliana Pena; it's about Amanda Nunes. It's about it's can she make
1: yeah. the whole damn card,
0: right? Because because I I've, I've actively implemented a system where, hey, if I really want to watch a fight, do I want to pay to watch this fight, blah, blah, If I can say to myself, there's at least three fights on this card I want to see, then I have no problem. But in all honesty, Jerome, I mean, just looking at this fight card, and we're just going to look at the main main card here. Let's say we've got a bantamweight fight with Song Dong versus Casey Kenny, Not something that excites me. We have Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill. Once again, not a fight that's greatly enthralling me. Michael Chasa versus Vicente Luque. Chasa's a good fighter, but no, not something for me. Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz in the co-main event, which, once again, not another fight that excites me. But Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gain. That's the fight that literally they're trying to bank this whole card on, and it's not a draw for me, especially since it's got the interim heavyweight title when the champion is perfectly healthy to fight. He hasn't refused any fights. There's no squabbles between him and the UFC. Francis Nganu Ngannou thought he was going to fight in September. He thought he was going to fight Derrick Lewis, and now we're seeing an interim fight for no reason. Like, why do we need to introduce this interim title? Because of whatever reason. There's no reason to have an interim title. Because like the, the
1: last UFC time- is give artificial hype. Because <laughs> they know the names that they have are not going to sell the fights for themselves. You know what it is. Like, they know damn well that these fights are not going to sell. Because the, the fight fans are going to be like, okay, wait a minute. What the hell are we doing here? It's going to be exactly what you said, which is, wait a minute, the champ is healthy and he's ready to fight. What, what what are we doing here? So, I think it's a whole stupid proposition. It's a waste of everybody's time. If you want me to be perfectly honest, I mean, I look, I get it, Derek Lewis and uh, and game,
0: uh, game. It, okay.
1: yeah, it's. I'm sure it's an excellent payday for these gentlemen, and I, and I don't want to. You know, slight them on that, but for me as a fight fan, do I give two shits about this fight? If you want me to be honest, no, I, I could care less. This fight to me is one of those where it's like, why are we even doing this?
0: <laughs> I mean, let's say they're gonna ha- they're gonna have a fight coming up soon, which is uh, cannonier versus Gastelum. I'm more excited for that fight than I am for for Lewis versus Gaines. That's more of a fight to me. That's more of a, a better bill fight because that's two guys that are fighting in the same weight class that are going to eventually challenge the champion. Guess what? Derrick Lewis, number one contender for the heavyweight title. So, gang, I think he's, what, number two or three for the heavyweight championship? Okay. But it should be an interim title fight. If anything, they should have... Made the main event for this card, Nuñez versus Pena. Yes, Pena's not that big of a name, but guess what? Nuñez has done done enough over the last few years to actually earn that main event slot, and to be able to be the one that they market the pay per view on, and and they're marketing off of the 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 lore of what I like to call reminiscent. Let's say reminiscent boxing syndrome, which is basically oh, we got a heavyweight title, we got a heavyweight fight, oh. You know what? Let's make them the main event. Oh, let's put a title on the line because everybody, you know, has always recognized the heavyweight champion of the world. Well, guess what? The heavyweight champion of the world isn't fighting. The heavyweight champion thought he had a fight in September. And I know I'm going to sound like a broken record like th- for this, but this is literally one of those fights that has a interim title that does not need one. When Connor went off to be whatever he wanted to be. Okay interim title made sense because they didn't want to hold up the division. They didn't know how long he was going to be gone. They've done this a couple times. I mean, Jerome, you were very critical back in the day when they made an interim uh, welterweight title when Tyron Woodley was actively healthy. Mm -hmm. Because it's stupid. It doesn't make any damn sense. Why are we doing an interim
1: title when the champion is healthy? Figure out your Look, look, in in boxing for, for all the crap that we've given them, right? Over the past few years, you know what we've seen? The fights that we want to see with boxing, right? If you want to see it, pretty much it's happened in the last few years. What has happened with the UFC, it seems they have went in the opposite direction. Instead of giving everybody the fights they want to see, it's always some negotiation shit that's getting in the way. And, and, and honestly, it's getting real old to me because, again, there is one commonality between the issues that fighters had previously and the issues that they have now. You know what that commonality is, Dana White. Well, so I
0: thought
1: it was like,
0: more. So, I, I think it, I thought it was more so about the the fighter pay, but you know, yeah, Dana's but, definitely. A,
1: but think about what the, what the issues are though, Like, right, it comes down to fighter pay and then other stuff. Right before it was, guys just weren't getting paid enough overall. Now it's you know you really screwed them on everything on the on the uh, on the. The the clothing deals that you that you've done there, you screwed them on those. So there's that issue, but just think about it. What's the common thing in here? It is Dana freaking White, who is the guy that's making these decisions, that's doing the majority of the negotiation. Dana White. So at the end of the day, that's the man that I'm holding responsible for all this, because again, this comes down to him doing business. In the ways that he always has, which is he doesn't want to acknowledge that the fighters have power in this situation. Do you know where what we're seeing in a lot of other sports leagues, see, right, where they're figuring out that the athletes have power. Right. And they're just trying to figure out, well, how do we work within the power dynamic with our best with our best guys? Right. How do we do this? What you're still seeing in UFC is, is like it's a more of a take or leave it attitude. It's more of a, hey, look, you're going to take this deal and you can either take it or you can leave it. Then you can go fight it. You, you know, you can go go to some other organization and, and fight for them. But you, we both know we've discussed that uh, at length on the show that none of these organizations are, are yet to reach the level of just mainstream appeal that the UFC has now. I mean, the UFC did the groundwork for everybody else, right? To get the sport of mma into the mainstream but have any of these other organizations truly can you really say that they truly capitalized on it no i don't think you can i think they they all are still falling very very short and it's not due to having not talented fighters or anything like that it has more so to do with they just haven't figured out how to market this thing right yet and you know so so I know that was kind of a little bit of a, a, a tangent there of what we were talking about, but to the greater point, again, the common factor in all of this again is Dana White. So, it, why we're not seeing the fights that we want to see, I blame him. I know some will try and say, "Oh, well, I blame John Jones. He wants too much money." Da 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 da. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, according to Dana White, he wants too much money. According to John Jones, he wants what he feels like he's worth. So, I, I mean, I just find it funny though that a lot of these same people that give me that argument right about John Jones are the first ones to stand out for Conor and tell you how he deserves all the money that he got paid. Well, what the fuck? Was, what, what is Conor? I'm, I'm I'm sorry for messing up our ratings early in the episode, but uh, w- what is Conor with all the without all the hype train from UFC?
0: What is he? a guy from a guy from Maryland?
1: A guy from Ireland who's won two titles and never defended either of them.
0: But, but let's look at it like this, Jerome, okay? Because I know you know this. Uh, let's say, Josh Allen. Didn't Josh Allen just sign, like, an $85 million contract? Something like that. Okay. It's like a four-year, $85 million contract. Now, let's look at it like this, okay? Josh Allen – you know, let's say, starting quarterback doesn't get hurt, uh, plays, what, 16, 17 games of the regular season, not to include, not to include the post postseason, where there's probably bonuses for his contract. Do you understand that in those six, that per year, Josh Allen is making $21.25 million per mm. year with his new contract? And mind you, mm. if you break that down by the number of games – that the NFL is, let's say, looking at the regular season. I'm not talking about the new schematics. I'm talking about old schematics. But for 16 games, that man is making $1.3 Okay? Let's just analyze that. $1.3 million a game. We have fighters out there who don't even have the kind of protection that football players have making – not making not even a quarter of that per fight, okay? We have championship fighters who may make that, you know, may make that over the course of, like, fighting twice in a year. I'm sorry, but that's just a little bit – like, say, it it shows you that, like, say, fighter value is not there. I mean, for goodness sakes, the fact – and I'm hating that I'm about to say this, Jerome. The fact that the Paul brothers make more per fight than a than a UFC fighter is just a shame. It's another it's another shame. Well, yeah, I mean it is,
1: but again, this comes back to the, to what I'm talking about here between the between the sponsorship deals with the clothing. Right, which is for for those that don't understand that that are relatively new to um, MMA, right? Okay, so what you have to understand is, for a good chunk of the time in in, in MMA, fighters were allowed to get sponsors and pla- and plaster them on their shirts, their uh, their shorts, you know, pretty much all their gear. They it was all sponsorship stuff, right? So it was allowing them to make money to wear because their fighter the fighter purses have never been good, as Terrell said. This is a, that's an issue that has been going on with the UFC for quite a while. Right. Where they're just fighters are not making the money that they feel like they should make. And we're, we constantly hear Dana White telling us about how, uh, oh, yeah, you know, they just they, they don't deserve that money. that This reason or that reason why they why they can't get the money. But that's neither here nor there. The, to the greater point, though, it's like, hey, they've basically been kneecapped with their earning potential by what was done and now it in no way is dana white trying to supplement their supplement their loss through their fighter pay so at the end of the day it's like you kneecap your fighters who are the crux who are the entire structure of your business right without the fighters you don't have a business without the fighters dana white's just a promoter he's just the guy that talks you know what i mean so again at some point, Dana White has to look himself in the mirror and admit that he's a big part of the problem and that he's in that he has to start being more realistic and fair with these fighters on what they're getting paid. Because, I mean, you, you can keep blaming them all you want for, for not having the fights, right? But again, the common denominator between fighters of the old and fighters of, of this day not getting fights taken care of and get us, to us seeing the fights that we want to see. It's one man. Cause you know, you know, Terrell, the old matchmaker doesn't even work for them anymore. Yep. Joe Silva's gone. So again, the on the common thread here we have is Dana White. And so at some point, Dana White has to, to have a, a, hard look in the mirror and figure out, okay, Am I done trying to fuck my fighters over here with pay? Am I done doing that? That's it. You know, he can't, because you you cannot continue to operate in the way that he is, because eventually what happens is that, yes, those other organizations are not, as we, as we say, that they're not necessarily in the public eye like that, right? But all you are is one star away from being in the public eye like that you know what i mean it's not it's not like it'll take a lot to get you in that position you're one star away and you'll be in that position
0: right and and the thing is too is the, is and i had to say this honestly the closest and i'm not talking about right now the closest one that came to being close to the ufc was strike force and that's mm-hmm. mainly because Strike Force was the place where Ronda Rousey, you know, cut her teeth. Like, you are having Strike Force fights being heavily promoted because of Ronda Rousey. Let's say they were close and then the UFC bought them. Now, a distant, very distant number two is Bellator. And that's the problem is that Bellator is so far behind what UFC is. It's kind of like having, it's kind of like having a high school basketball star have a one-on-one game against LeBron James. Yeah, you might get a couple, you know, you might get a point or two, but you're not winning. No. <clears throat> so we'll see what happens with UFC 265. Um, let's say I'm still on the fence on if I actually want to. Partake in this particular fight. Granted, like, say, yes, for the sake of the show, I should watch it. But at the same time, do I really want to help support this?
1: <laughs> I mean, if, I wouldn't. I'd be, I mean, if, I, if it,
0: I don't blame watching it. If, if it was Francis Ngannou versus Derrick Lewis, oh, yeah, because it's the heavyweight title, the actual heavyweight title, not an interim piece of garbage belt. But I mean, we'll, watching. Watching it is is something
1: I think would be a waste of time for for people. If you want me to be honest, like there, there's better things you could do with your Saturday night than that.
0: <laughs> yep, I can watch reruns of Saturday Night Live. But oh anyways, God. that is not what I meant by that. But anyways, <laughs> uh, all right. So, hey, if you choose to be uh, a fan of UFC two sixty five, good for you. But uh, we may not watch it. So, yeah, we'll probably catch the highlights. Anyways, all right. So going into our next topic, Jerome, it's time for us to talk a little bit of entertainment. And I have to ask you, my friend, have you watched The Suicide Squad? Uh, nah, not yet. That's a tonight thing that I'm doing. Well, Did you watched it ta- already? I've watched it already. And you know who else has watched it? Uh Debo? No. <laughs> Dakota. Well, yeah, he watched it with me. Well, I don't know who the hell you looking for there. I don't know. <laughs> Who's the one person that you would expect to watch a comic book movie? Well, your dad. I know he'd watch it, of course. Oh yeah. And and his and his review, now mind you, this is take this is not taken with a grain of salt, okay? His review was He really enjoyed it. Well, I mean, the reason I'm going to watch
1: it is because I'm trying to give James Gunn a chance. He hasn't disappointed me, really. So I thought it would only be fair to give James Gunn a chance at this point. You know, he's done. I mean, for goodness sake, he made us all care about the the Guardians of the Galaxy. And before the Marvel movie started, didn't nobody give a damn about the Guardians of the Galaxy, though. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody cared. Who the hell was Rocket Raccoon to people? And now that Groot is a freaking household name. A dude who literally all he says is I am Groot is a household name because James Dunn Dun made great movies with them. So I look forward to it. But
0: what what impressed you the most? Um. I say if I had to say anything, I would say, I think this was a movie that they had a better, clearer, clearer, precise vision on than the first attempt at the suicide squad because of the fact that like here's a here's the problem that that was with the first suicide squad. They were trying to put in too many name players. Like, and the thing is, you have to kind of go into the background and find out motivations with name players. Well, in this one, you kind of get that interspersed throughout the movie, not like all at the beginning. And also, and mind you, okay, Idris Elba is playing Bloodsport, not dead, not dead shot like Will Smith, but he's playing Bloodsport. Very similar to, to, like, the. The premise was very similar to how they kind of portrayed portrayed a uh, Deadshot mm-hmm. in in the first Suicide Squad movie, but the characters are very much different in the in their approaches to a lot of things. And then I, I'll just be the first one to admit John Cena as Peacemaker was just awesome, and King Shark. Who is voiced by Sylvester Stallone? I think was one of the highlights of the
1: movie.
0: <laughs> I did not realize a slide in his voice. Well, that's the thing, like watching the beginning credits, I, I was just like, I'm like, who is Sylvester Stallone in this movie? And then I, the first words I heard King Shark speak, I'm like, oh, that's who he is. <laughs> Hey, if you're going to have Stallone, Stallone voice anybody, why not make it the half-man, half-shark shark? that's, you know, you want somebody that's a little bit non-coherent? Hey, go ahead, slide. you got this role. <laughs> I like the way you put that.
1: Hey, you know, you want somebody that's kind of non-coherent anyway, you know. <laughs> oh, goodness. He's came a long way since Rocky won. All right, I'll say that much for Sly. Came a long, long way. Because that Sly had a mush mouth. <laughs>
0: very true. Very, very true on that one. But let's say, I tell everybody, hey, if you're going to check it out, check it out. Let me I would, say, I would Was say, it say it's worth the time. Was it set up for a sequel? In all honesty, yes. But if they didn't do one, it wouldn't be a downside to it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know how some movies are set up for a sequel, just like, okay, where's this going now? This one was set up to where it's like, they can leave it at this and I'm okay with it. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough.
1: But speaking of movies, see, there's some movies still left to come out on the year. Is there anything that is standing out for you that you're like, I am going to go, whether this movie is released in theaters or at home, which, by the way, still find it very weird that you paid to go see Vin
0: Diesel. I hope you know I'm not letting you live that down. Technically, I went to pay, I paid to see John no, Cena, but no, no,
1: you paid to go see Vin Diesel.
0: Agree to disagree.
1: I mean, how how can you disagree, dude? Whose series is Fast and the Furious?
0: Jordana mm-hmm. Brewster.
1: Oh, okay. We're we're gonna be this guy today, huh? <laughs> okay. All right. Look, man. I'm just saying, you paid to go see Vin Diesel. I would never pay to go
0: see him. Never. For what? For who? You what? You you watch Guardians of the Galaxy? I am Groot. That was Vin uh, Diesel. Excuse, Boom. Wait, wait, Boom. wait, wait, wait. Excuse time me. Time out.
1: time out. No, no, no. no. Oh, oh, you think you think that's getting lawyered? Hey, Terrell. Who is the star of that movie? Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, my God. Here we go. This fucking guy, dude. Uh, Sometimes with you. I don't know why I try.
0: You try so hard and you only get so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. But I will say this. Okay. As far as movies coming out that I'm looking forward to, I have to say. I'm looking forward to the Eternals as I've stated previously. And of course for Venom 2 let there be carnage.
1: So how did you feel about the trailer that they dropped out for it?
0: Uh, the most recent trailer? You know what? I haven't uh, had a chance to see it yet. What do you mean you haven't had a
1: chance to see it? What are you doing? Working. You You're supposed to be the comic book guy here. You're supposed to see all of these trailers right away. What are you no,
0: doing? No. I'm supposed to be the you comic book guy. I'm supposed to watch these movies right away. Let's say trailers. Hey, How many trailers did they drop for things? I can't watch them all. Let's say say just think. The Snyder Cut alone had like eight trailers. I'm just like, okay, I'm good on trailers for now. I'll watch right, one but trailer. Be, and I'm good.
1: But beyond that, okay. All right. So beyond that, what else are you excited for?
0: Uh, Those are really the only two. Really? There's nothing else for you? Uh, nope, nothing else. You're not else. looking forward to Shang G. Not really. No. I'll watch it, but I'm not it's not something that's high on my list. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm actually pretty surprised by that to be honest with you. Let's say it's it's Marvel attempting to like show everybody a lesser-known character and Crack into a different market, and I just am not like a hundred percent on board for it. I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm not a hundred percent on board with Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, especially the way that they did the Ten Rings. Because what's your I wanted- issue with how they did them? Well, because they look more like they look more like the coasters that the judge uses in a good place than than they do like if I wanted ten rings, I I thought we were getting like the ten rings of the Mandarin, like that they're, they're on his fingers, not you know, these weird, you know, glowy rings that go across the man's arm. But okay, okay.
1: Time out. This is again though, we this is this goes back to a conversation that me and you have had. And in debates on on subtlety on subtle things that have gone and gone on in the in the Marvel universe, right? Which is, I feel again, this is you discounting the fact that they have to make it feel more appealing to everyone, not just me and you, the comic book guy, the guy who, who knows the source material. Like, I think this is again where you're where you're like, well, I want it, basically what you're doing is giving the I like this, I like it this way of the traditional way. So I don't want them to change it.
0: Here's my thing. I'm okay with certain changes, but I mean, there's certain imagery that's iconic to certain characters. Would you have Thanos without the infinity gauntlet? Eventually? No, I mean, but that's uh, again, though, if
1: they changed how the Infinity Gauntlet looked, but they still told the story, are you going to be pissed off about that if it still look, ended up looking good? look, look Looked how? I mean, it, I don't know. Updated it somehow. I'm not an artist like that. You know that. I'm just simply stating, theoretically, they updated it and it looks good. Are you going to be upset about it?
0: Because I don't think what they're doing with Shang-Chi looks bad. It would depend on how they're doing it. Like like that's just the honest opinion. It would depend on how they would do it. Because if they did an infinity gauntlet and it looked it looked really good, but it was not quite close to what was in the comic books, mm-hmm. I would have some indifferences about it. I mean, think about it, Jerome for years, I've said I've I've defended Marvel at a lot of times because of uh, the Civil War, because of Captain America Civil War, because so many people were just like, oh, well, they did this. And I'm just like, dude, do you understand that? They had to work with what they were given, okay? The studio as a whole had to work with what they were given as far as the characters they could use that were played a part into Civil War, okay? Mm -hmm. They didn't even get Spider-Man until halfway through starting to film the movie. And then they were able to incorporate them. And Spider-Man played a huge role in the Civil War comic mm-hmm. books. So, you mean, so, so yeah, I'll defend if I know certain situations. I'm pretty sure not many studios were opting for Shang-Chi as a comic book movie. But, how, how, many stu- done- but,
1: but, but, but how many studios, before they made the first Guardians of the Galaxy... How many studios were really like, yo, let's take that one from Marvel. No one. So again, like, I think you're, cause, cause again, we could look at the guardians of the galaxy. They all don't really necessarily look like what the comic books look like. Star-Lord, especially they made him a much more down to earth human star Lord than what he actually is in the comic books and the comic books that nigga dressed like he
0: from space. I say we'll see what happens when Shang Chi drops. I say I'll watch it because let's say it's 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 the next phase of Marvel movies. But I'm let's say it's not one it's not higher on my list than a character who I've loved for years, Venom, or the Eternals. A where you have a star-studded cast, and you're going to find and they're going to and they're going to address a lot of things that happen in terms of Infinity War and Endgame within that movie.
1: Well, you know they're actually going to do a lot of that, too, in um, in the Marvel What If series. Because from what I have been reading, Kevin Feige has said that all of that is going to be canon. So all of that is basically shit that's
0: playing off into other timelines. Here we go with the timeline thing. Because we have, because, hey, after Loki, hey, we know that there's branches to the timeline. I mean,
1: it's it's what we've wanted though, if we're being honest. Like we hoped that one day they would get to the point where they were willing to go this big and bold with it. You know what I'm saying? Like we were hoping because hey, figure out a way to connect all these really cool ass storylines that we know you guys have with everybody else, with the general public, right? And they've done a fairly good fucking job of doing that at this point. I, I can't I can't really say that they did a bad job at being able to connect these crazy stories that have a lot of intricacy to them and still be able to tell them in a way that it doesn't feel like you diluted the stories like when you look back on everything right is there one marvel story where you could as far as these movies go where you look back and you would say oh well um you know I felt like they really
0: diluted this character's story. Give me a minute. I have to think... Let's say you're talking about I got to think over like 20, 20 movies or something.
1: And, and not some ancillary wish-washy character to you there. Don't try and pull that crap on me. I'm talking about somebody that actually matters.
0: Mm. i say if anything... I would say, I would say that they, that they that second Thor movie.
1: <laughs> okay, but again, though, did they do a disservice to him and his stories? Because they still, you know, they they still gave him Ragnarok, which is one of the better rated and better, you know, um, better appealed movies through the entire genre, like and through the entire storyline. So. do do they really need to go there or do they just need to realize that Thor is not somebody that they need to be doing these dark,
0: serious movies with? Hmm. We'll see. And plus, like I say, most of that lightheartedness was because of Chris Hemsworth, because he wanted to change some things. Like, even Thor's haircut was because of Chris Hemsworth. But
1: again, that's the point, though. It's like, they they were doing something that really wasn't going to work with that character because if you're gonna do the the dark Thor storyline shit, right? you're now talking about that's something that they should have been doing like later on, right We're now when Thor has been through multiple movies, he's a part of this natural lexicon for a lot of people, right they everybody Thor is something that's very um you know like from from soccer moms to 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 the to uh, old senior citizen, you know what I mean. They know who Thor is at this point. I don't know. It's interesting to me. I I just like I said, I just think that their their biggest mistake with those Thor movies is like they went way too dark with it. Like <laughs> it should not have been that dark. Because like Thor, on its face, like for just for the common person, right? It's kind of hard to take that character serious right you're talking about somebody that's a that is a god for all intents and purposes and you're like oh well we need to take this guy serious I'm like what
0: I mean yeah I can't I can't argue with you on that one but I say, regardless, I say, we'll see what's coming up in the, in the movies in the future. I say, anything in particular you're looking forward to, Jerome?
1: Um, For me, it
0: is going to be
1: interesting here because you, you named a couple that I'm really looking forward to. But um, it just this is more of a general thing than it is something in specific. I am now in on Amazon and their entertainment studio as a, as a whole. And the reason why I'll say this to you is because between um, the between the Michael B. Jordan movie, which is what, what is it? No, no without, rules. without without. Rules. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So between that, The Boys, and the Tomorrow, and the Tomorrow War, they have really shown me that if they can get some good ideas in there, right? Which it seems like they're investing more and more in they can execute them very, very well. Because I'm going to tell you, the Tomorrow War, that movie was awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was a movie that I looked, that I would recommend anybody to, you know. Um, Now, I know there are some people that may take issue with it because it's, you know, it does fall into some of the typical action movie stuff, right? But it's very excellently done. So at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to be entertained. Right. So if the movie's done well, I, I'm not one that's going to just try and knock it because I, I, I'm going into the movie. I know what I'm watching. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not looking for some cinematic masterpiece out of the Tomorrow War. I'm not looking for something to give me some, you know, next level message, you know, that the, the, the you want. I'm looking to be entertained for like two hours real quick. And and ha- not have some horrible acting like Megan Fox in some of those uh Transformer movies.
0: Believe me, Megan Fox didn't get those roles because of how our, uh, because of her acting skills. Well, well, we know this. <laughs>
1: I'm just simply stating her acting abilities were god awful
0: in that, so um, yeah. <laughs> But let's say we'll see what happens in the future. But currently in the present, I think it's time. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's time. It's time. It's shenanigans time. Yes, it spans shenanigans. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the mind
1: of a madman. Tell you each and every week that uh, we've got some good stories, some weird stories, some fun ones, some some different ones, and, you know, some serious ones. But at the end of the day, we always try and leave you with a smile on your face. And sometimes we will have a Skynet Story of the Week for you. But who knows? We may not have one this week. We may have one. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, I don't know. I like to leave you guys kind of surprised. But. Moving forward with our first story of the week, um, the, it seems like the Senate and the uh, the Senate is finally starting to move forward with some of this infrastructure bill. And in it, there's a lot of thing a lot of really, really, really good things, okay? Like there's a lot of things that are needed just to you know help this country's infrastructure get better. But one critical thing that um, has been pointed out by quite a few people here that is missing in this equation is the ability to have consistent rapid testing for the schools, considering we know that as of right now, people's kids are going back to school in the fall. Okay, so what we need to do here is in that infrastructure bill, I hope that our um, politicians can become wise enough here to say, hey, wait a minute, we need to include something for the fact that, hey, we got these kids going back to school we're going to need some rapid testing. We're not going to be able to just depend on the fact that say, Oh, well, you know, these protocols that do everything. No, we, we're going to need the rapid testing and it needs to be something that the schools are not having to entirely eat the cost for, because guess who's making the decisions on everybody going back to this, going back to school. It ain't necessarily the schools. I promise you that much. Okay. Uh, so let's wise up here. Hopefully uh Hopefully, you know we we make these decisions which are uh, smart for just the overall well being of everybody's kids going back to school. I know personally that is one thing that I'm concerned about. You know, right now is that hey, my daughter is going to have to go back to school in the middle of the fact when shit when everything is spiking right now. You know, she's going to have to go back to school, and we don't even have infrastructure in place to just get us quick, quick, rapid testing for everybody. So. Yes, I'm in a position to where I could probably pay for it, or I have you know others that could that could help me pay for it if the rapid test was needed, but not everybody's as fortunate as myself, right? So hopefully our our, our politicians will wisen up a little bit here. But moving forward along those same lines here, I just want to bring up um, a lot of NFL players over this last week were really, really in a tizzy because they felt a lot of them felt that they were kind of being forced into a situation to get the vaccine. And I'm not going to argue with them and tell them that what is being presented to them is not basically somebody trying the NFL and trying to force them into getting the vaccine. But knowing that we are in the middle of a pandemic right now to where more and more people are getting sick every day we have multiple variants in the country that you can't be vaccinated for that the only that what the vaccine does for you is keep you from being so horribly sick from those right a lot of the, a lot of people are still out here refusing to get it now a lot of these guys have been really really outspoken and that's cool. That's your right. But I just want to point out to you again the convenience of when certain people choose to stand up. Because perfect example, you have someone like Kirk Cousins. And why am I? And why am I single?
0: Up, oh, ladies and gentlemen. It seems like we lost Jerome for a minute. Uh, let's give. Let's give it a little bit. Up oh, there, you are. Go ahead, continue, Jerome.
1: Yeah, Sorry. Yep. Um. So I. And why am I singling out Kirk Cousins in this? Because again, I know there's been more people that are much more objectionable and much louder about what they're saying about the vaccine than Kirk Cousins, right? But I'm singling him out because as a quarterback, he's always somebody that had you know, the ability to be in a position where he can pretty much stand up and say and, and stand up for people's rights when things are going wrong. But I just find it funny that Kirk Cousins had nothing good to say for a certain for a certain guy that they blackballed but now he's got all the stuff in the world to say talking about them oh well you know what it's uh it's uh it's you know violating my medical rights you know I, I i'm willing to sit inside of a plexiglass structure at work if it means i don't have to get the the, the vaccine all I just want to say is, man, you guys all are first off you're hypocrites because you always you always want to give the speech and talk about you don't want you do anything to win. You don't want to be a distraction to your team, but you know that it is literally a policy in place right now where if you get infected and you cause an outbreak within your team that causes a game to be missed, guess what happens? Your team forfeits the game. So again. Just notice how hollow a lot of that BS is when I tell it to you next time because this isn't going to be the last time Colin Kaepernick wasn't the last time when we're going to have somebody standing up again in the face of injustice and people aren't seeming to understand what's going on. So I just want to point out to you again, people, stop watching sports like a child because the only people who believe in that football crap that they try to espouse nowadays are people who still watch it like children. But Speaking of children, we uh, a lot of us here on the internet have are have been children of such shows like Reading Rainbow, um, you know Magic School Bus, and a, a lot of shows of that nature, right? Well, we found out this week that, well, I don't know if it was necessarily confirmed, but it was put out there this week that Mike Richards was going to end up being the longtime host for Jeopardy instead of the legend himself. LeVar Burton Now, normally look I I I don't really wade into these waters right like I like look you make your decision on who you want it is what it is right okay cool 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 but I just want to say man LeVar Burton would be perfect for this job so I think it's absolutely ridiculous that he didn't get chosen and Jeopardy I need y'all to do more better see how you feel about this
0: so here's the honest truth. I haven't watched Jeopardy since Alex Trebek's last show. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but from what I'm from what I've heard, LeVar Burton and Miam Bialik were probably two of the better hosts. Yeah. And and, and that's the thing, and, and from what I've read about this um Michael Richards who's going to be the new permanent host they're saying oh well he's a little bit more like Alex Trebek well here's the thing we had Alex Trebek for years Alex Trebek will always be an icon uh because of his time on Jeopardy maybe it's time to do something different mm-hmm. I don't so, want an Alex Alex Trebek reskin you
1: know what I mean that's that's not what I want I want somebody who can also be good at the job I'm not looking to get somebody you know at the the exact same thing that we've had for all these years. Alex Beck was cool because that was his thing. I don't want somebody that's just riding off of his thing and trying to be like him, let them be, let them be themselves. And that's what LeVar Lebar Burton was great at. Um, and like I said, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that he didn't end up getting chosen as the host from what we're seeing here, but you know, it is what it is at this point. Right. Um, can't, yeah, as our moms used to tell us, right, T, you can't cry over spilled milk. But Very true. Moving, moving forward here, though, there were some um, big, big moves that happened in the offseason this week for in the NBA. And, you know, quite a few impactful moves that are going to change some teams' fortunes for the better and some teams for the worse. But I'm just going to stick with the Chicago Bulls because they're my team and – let me tell you something feels good to be a bulls fan after quite a few off seasons and quite a few seasons in a row where it really, really did not feel good to be a bulls fan. It really, really felt like crap if we're going to be perfectly honest about things here. Um, But the bulls seem seem to have made some really, you know, um, intelligent moves to now they are going to be a competitive team. And one of the best moves that we made was bringing in Lonzo ball. And look, I know a lot of people are turned off by LeVar. Me personally, I love him. I mean, <laughs> he's hilarious. Yes, he can be off-putting with some of the things that he says. Um, but you know, a lot of people are. I can be off-putting by some of the things I say. So it's hard for me to, you know, hate a guy for that. I will say some of his sexist comments and stuff. That stuff's not cool. You I think anybody who's listened to this show long enough is known. But as far as just taking him as like a as a not serious character because a lot of what he does is just put on as a character to, to promote the brand. You know, I, I find it hilarious. But regardless, the Bulls have signed Lonzo Ball, and Lonzo Ball is exactly what the Bulls needed. They needed somebody who could be a true point guard for them They could get their guys open shots. And, you know, hopefully now with the Bulls having three – Three true at least star level players because I think Lonzo has shown now that he can at least be a star level player. I'm not talking superstar. I'm not talking, you know, a guy who's necessarily top flight in the league. I'm just saying he can. He's shown that he can at least be a really, high, a high level player for your team. Okay. Well, with that and Zach Levine and Vucevic, I think that the Bulls have a truly excellent opportunity to be a top four seed in the east next year and that is where i'm setting my expectations at for the bulls in next year which is hey i'm expecting you guys to get to a top four seed because at the end of the day um you know you you have all the talent that is necessary you don't need to really add many any more pieces at this point and if this roster doesn't get it done it shows me two things number one you got to move on from zach Levine and find yourself another player to necessarily build around and number two it also showed me that Vucevic is probably done at this point but if the season goes well neither of those things will be true and hopefully you know with the moves that the Bulls have made that we will end up seeing a good season and not one that you know we end up just holding our heads holding our faces in our in our hands again and saying dear god this crap again <laughs> but moving on to our next story here um Fox has announced that Akib Talib and um uh, and Gus Johnson, the announced team for uh, one of the announced teams for Fox Sports on football, will be doing six to seven games this year. Now, for those that don't know, just go look up a kid to leave. For those that watch a little bit of football, he's the guy who snatched Michael Crab to Chain. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, so he is going to get uh, they're going to get more games this year because they were a team that kind of was an experiment for Fox last year and it's just good to see that we're getting you know a different broadcasting experience than what we're normally presented because uh, it, it, I'm tired of all the broadcast feeling the same and feeling the like these very very super sanitized things that like we have to just sit here and deal with like the most sanitized version of all of this like I want to have more fun in our broadcast, and I believe that the team of Gus Johnson and and Akeem are going to be somebody that can bring a lot more fun to the broadcast game for the NFL. Now, I will say this. Please, please, please let them do a Bears-Packers game. I think that would be so much fun. Please stop making my Bears-Packers games have to be this super sanitized Joe Buck And Troy Aikman crap every time. I'm so tired of hearing that announced team together. Please, please, please let it be Talib and Gus Johnson because that would be awesome. But moving forward here, um, (laughs) there was some... amazing amazing uh racing that happened at last week's f1 race and i just want to touch on that because hey i'm a big fan of that now and so you guys get to hear about it i don't care if you like it or not (laughs) but i just want to touch on one thing here that that happened so there was a big crash over the weekend here and uh quite a few cars ended up going out of the race and they were damaged and it was a very very unfortunate thing that happened right but i just want to say man that hey I am glad that we got to at least finish the race and see some really great hard racing for the rest of that. And it was great to see Esteban Ocon get his first win since he came up to F1 racing from the F2 series. So congratulations to Mr. Ocon. But for those that are, you know, potentially interested in trying to watch F1 races, they come on on Sundays. They are on old Espen. So, You want to check them out? Check them out. If you are wondering what I, you know, what the whole fuss about F1 could be, there is an excellent, excellent show on Netflix about F1. It is called Drive to Survive. You will see um, they will teach you a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about the sport. So I would suggest to people to give that a try. Um, It is also a show that is ongoing. So you will be getting new episodes um, coming in this season's action and um, I believe wrapping up with some of last seasons, but again, another great show, but congratulations to Mr. Acon more, you know, more than anything here. I just wanted to bring that up. Cause it was pretty dope that, I mean, even though I am a Lewis Hamilton fan, it was dope to see Esteban Acon get his first win. And, you know, congratulations to that man there. Uh, yeah. look at that. See, even Terrell's giving him some love there. You see that you see and Terrell shit sure as hell. Don't watch racing. <laughs> <laughs> but moving forward here, um, there was I I know I talked about it here where there was a fencer that basically had a lot of sexual assault accusations um as far as what was good before he ended up going into Olympics here. Well, I just wanna give a shout out to his teammates because his teammates when they were taking the stand with him, they all decided to wear pink masks to um you know, kind of make him stand out as he was the only one standing up there with the black mask on because they wanted to stand up for their women's, their women's teammates and all the other women that had been, you know, victims of any type of sexual violence. So again, just wanna give these guys a shout out here because they decided to say, screw that, we are protesting this guy. We are not gonna stand up here and celebrate with him and just make it seem like it's okay. So shout-outs to you guys for getting getting that done and really standing up for what you believe in. Because so I know a lot of times when you're put in positions like being in the Olympics, you know, a lot is being asked of you already and you, you worry about your image and because it's your moment to shine. This is your time where you might be able to become a star and really, really take everything that you've been doing, you know, working so hard for it to the next level that maybe you didn't even think was possible. But just got to give these guys props for being willing to say, you know what, I don't give a. Doggone about any of that I'm here to stand up for what is right And what is right is most definitely Making it a A, a, a known thing That we are not okay with this man Being our teammate And that we state, state this to the public And stand up with the people that have been victimized By this man Now I just want to say He does still have to see his day in court As everyone else does But reading the details of the things that would happen, but I'm not. You're gonna not. I'm gonna try to not go over those things here because a lot of them are very, very crude, very awful, and I don't really want to. (laughs) You know, I don't really want to make things too crude for people. I, I want them to still have a good time. But if you want to go look up what happened, but yeah, he's someone that probably, well, not probably, should have never even been allowed to go compete in the Olympics. So shout out, you know, kudos to the guys that and the and, and the members of the Olympic team that have been willing to stand up, even though that the USOC was not willing to do the right thing, and they let these guys go on to um, to the Olympics anyway. Because look, just so you guys know, the dude on the uh, on the uh, on that team is. N- He's not the only one. There's also another volley player, a volleyball player that was allowed to go there by the USOC that has a lot of the same issues standing over his head currently. So moving forward here, though, Terrell, this one to give you a good laugh, I'm sure of it. Uh, so a recent American Psychological uh, Association study revealed that police officers speak to Black drivers in a more disrespectful tone during traffic stops than the way they speak to white drivers hey t are you surprised by this No. <laughs> uh, i just want to say again people I, I mean look i don't know how many different ways people that don't want to believe this at this point needed to be codified to them and needed to be shown in statistical numbers and in studies and all this other stuff right like I, I don't know how much more you need but i mean if that isn't enough for you, I don't know what will be like just to be perfectly honest. I just do not know what will be enough for you because goodness gracious, like it's right there for you. Like, it, it, They're not even hiding it anymore. Nobody's even pretending to hide it. But um moving forward here. Cause I don't want to get caught in the mud now. Lollapalooza was last weekend here in in the Chicago area, for those that don't know, and I don't want to shit on the people too bad that decided to go to Lollapalooza, right? Because I know there were a, basically as stringent as you can ask for um, requirements to be there as you could realistically put in place, knowing that you were dealing with a mass amount of people that were coming and you, and and it's all the business implications and stuff like that that are out there that they were just trying to work within these confines, right? We all, we understand this now fully. But I just want to say that seems, still seems like such a horrible, horrible idea that we even had that going on because man, there's already been, a lot of reporting out here stating about how there's been people that are just out here purchasing people's vaccine cards. So again, this is, you know, we're, we're, at this point, people to where, man, look, we're probably going to end up facing another shutdown. That is, that is more than likely at this point, because guess what, people, there wasn't just like I told y'all way earlier this year, we got to act right. So we don't end up back in another, in another shutdown. But did it seem like people were really acting right when we saw also also um like the two weekends ago, rolling loud in Miami, do you think people were acting right in places where hey they don't even have a requirement to wear a mask? No, I don't think so. So we're probably gonna have another shutdown. So just get ready for it. Bear, you know, be ready. Don't let yourself get caught off guard this time. Understand that it is a realistic possibility at this point and that it is something that you need to be prepared for.
0: I'll be the no. first one to say this. I'll be the first one to say this, Jerome. Like, because from what I'm hearing, there are reports that parts of the West Coast are already in shutdowns. Didn't surprise uh, me. And <laughs> then also, also, Jerome, you're you're fully aware that I'm supposed to be going, you know, on, on my third Jericho cruise. Yeah. Which I was going right. to ask you about that and see uh, how you were feeling about that at this point. Well, well, well let me... Uh, well, well... I'm gonna I'm gonna put it to you like this. Jerome, let's say I haven't purchased my ticket to Miami yet and anything like that. Cause you know, I'm still skeptical about if it's going to happen at that time. Uh-huh. But Jerome, do you know do you know how much like say when the, when I went on the first two Jericho cruises, how much the tickets were for a round trip to go to Miami to Chicago from Chicago uh-huh. to Miami bike? i say it cost me about like say. Two to three hundred dollars.
1: Uh huh.
0: Do you know how much I'm seeing the tickets go for now? Ninety dollars. One hundred and twelve. Mm, yep. huh. <laughs> Sounds so, about right. So anybody that thinks that this isn't possible, the airlines are showing you. Because mind you, I saw the ticket jump up to like two hundred, and then it's dropped down to a dropped down to ninety eight. Now it's at one twelve. That's yeah. telling you something, people. That's yeah. telling you something. Because uh, one thing we know, corporations love making
1: their money. <laughs> so uh, they're not going to make the ticket prices lower unless they're just trying to just get the last bit of their money that they know they can get before uh, it is shutdown time. Because if we, I'm telling you, people, the rate that everything is going at, man, we are headed for a shutdown. It is unfortunate to say, you know, it is unfortunate to see, but that is more than likely. (laughs) But moving forward here, um, we are going to finish this story, finish this week off with uh, a serious story, but it it's kind of a couple stories actually interwoven together. Okay. So, oh, excuse me. I feel like I got a sneeze, sneeze coming on. There we go. <coughs> Ooh, sorry people. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Bless you. <coughs> oh, oh goodness. Thank you. One more. There we go. Okay. All right. There we go. <laughs> I'm good now. Okay. So, Here we're going back to to the January sixth attacks here, and I just want to you know prepare anybody for for it in case they they're like, oh my goodness, what could he be talking about? Well, we're talking about January sixth here. So a couple of things came out over this last week. Number one, there was documents that came out that understood that um, first off, there was a lot of corruption going on within the Trump organization while while he was running the presidency. And a lot of it has to deal with the walls and stuff. That's a lot. But the more important stuff was a lot of it had to come out to deal with the PPE stuff. Okay. And why is this being brought up now? Is because if you guys remember, there was a point where the government was going and investing in a bunch of PPE. Well, the issue isn't so much that they were investing in it because that was a smart thing to do. The issue is that it all ended up being just another way for Trump to funnel money to him and his friends. And not actually do what was really required because some of these companies still have standing orders that they haven't even presented or aren't even on the verge of presenting anytime soon. So there's that. And of course, there is the fact that the hearings for what happened on January 6th happened and. The A lot of the police officers that were there were already up there testifying. Now, Terrell, you know my issues that I have had, that I have with police just in general. I've made it very well known. My stance is on quite a few things with policing in this show, in this segment in particular, right? But those cops that were there on January 6th were were doing their job. They weren't guys out there abusing people's rights, right? They were doing what they were supposed to do. And I just want to say that I find it absolutely hilarious that the same Republican Party that swears to you how special every cop is and how every last one of them is a hero and needs to be treated like one are the same ones shitting all over these guys now trying to talk about how they're basically being drama queens. Reason why we're ending with this, this with this story is, again, people, I tell you over and over, stop falling for the tricks. Because once you stop believing in the mythology and all that, you can start looking at things in a rational way. And guess what? A rational person that re- that respects cops in the ways that Republicans swear that they do can never stand up there and disrespect these officers that went through people trying to call trying to cause a coup to take over our country a coup excuse me to take over our country. So I tell you, each and every week, people, please. Stop paying attention to Kardashians, which, hey, again, people, I appreciate y'all. I think y'all did, because guess what? Kardashians is going off the air, baby. Woo! Yes! So please stop paying attention to Kardashians. They do not give a damn about you or your family. Pay attention to science. Science can help change the life, your life for the better and the lives of people around you for the better, too. But again, people, science loves you. Kardashians, though.
0: They just want to take your money. But that's all I got for you this week. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Span Shenanigans for this week. And now it is time to get to the pro wrestling oh, the part of out. the show. One thing. Shout-outs
1: to, to, to Tuco Scorpio for his performance he put out at GCW Wrestling on
0: uh, July 24th, by the way. Just want to, want to put that out there real quick. You mean GCW, the place where Nick Gage wrestles? Yes, sir. And that Matt Cardona is now their champion. Yes, sir. That's correct. Okay. All right. Well, let's say time to get to the wrestling part, part of the show. And Jerome. I mean, you could call us some love, Terrell. Hey, I ain't got no problems with score. But we got to talk about it, Jerome. Okay. At the time of this recording, like I say a week ago, We had one of the biggest releases that WWE has had with Bray Wyatt. But within the last 24 hours, we have had more releases come. That's right. We have had 13 people get released from the WWE, from the NXT brand. And there are a couple shockers in there. Let's go ahead, talk about some of the people. All right. So Asher Hale, let's say not not, not much I can say about Asher Hale. Didn't see too much. Ari Sterling. Uh, Leon Ruff was released, former NXT North American Champion Leon Ruff, Kona Reeves, Mercedes Martinez. Now, the next three names I'm about to list off never made it on TV, but Zechariah Smith, Giants Jir, and Stephon Smith. Stefan Smith was, you know, at the Performance Center trying to become a referee, but here are the three names that are the most surprising from those releases. Number three, Bobby Fish. And that's because Bobby Fish was part of the Undisputed Era, one of the better workers they had. Yes, he missed some time because of injuries, but guess what? Bobby Fish is older than you think, people. So, yeah, Father Time probably caught up to him, but it's still surprising to see him. He was just on a prominent match on NXT on Tuesday. The next one up, that was a surprise release, Tyler Rust. Now, for those of you not familiar with Tyler Rust, he... Was being groomed by Malcolm Bivens. He has some big emotions, but they just debuted the Diamond Mine on NXT, not even a full month ago. And he is a member of the Diamond Mine and he has been released. So now the question is do they replace him in the Diamond Mine or do they just go on with Roderick Strong, Malcolm Bivens, and that one other guy whose name escapes me right now? I can't tell you. Hey, the guy doesn't talk, and nothing else about him is standing out as special. All right. But the biggest surprise of all for the NXT releases, for the NXT releases, is Bronson Reed. Now, mind you, this is a guy who has been on NXT TV regularly for the past year. The guy just won won the NXT North American title. say about a couple months ago, he dropped it to Swerve, and there were talks that he was going to the main roster. He was going to go to SmackDown. He was going to go to Raw. And this man has seen himself get released. And mind you, he was the one who broke the story. This wasn't something that was broke by a Dave Meltzer. This wasn't something that was uh, released by a Sean Sapp. No, this was broke by Bronson Reed himself he sent out a tweet saying I just got released from WWE Jerome on, on top of the Bray Wyatt thing like this is we're seeing these releases coming left and right and the question is, is what is going on in the WWE I personally like with all these releases I think that they're gearing up for something it's either to get a big name back or to sell the company I couldn't tell you which one. You know what, T? I'm
1: inclined to believe this, to sell the company. And the reason why I say that is I tweeted this out, but you can see what they're doing would be normally considered cost-cutting measures, right? And when you place that in the reality along with the fact that they signed this deal where they already had a clear amount of money that they were going to be getting every year, you know, to cover their, at least what their roster costs and like their operating costs and everything. So they could pretty much be operating at a profit right now, right? But what they're doing is, is that they're trying to cut down on any little thing that might be seen as a drag on their evaluation of of how much WWE is worth. And to be honest with you, knowing that there's probably going to be another shutdown, I think Vince is ready to sell. Now, what does that mean for WWE as a whole, as a product? I'm not sure. It depends on who buys it, right? If I think you no, know, if they are gearing up to sell it, I think the smartest thing that somebody could do would be to keep triple, try and keep Triple H around. Try and keep him around for the development of your younger guys, because and say Triple H, look, man. We're going to let you have say in what these guys are doing there. You're going to run NXT. When you say a guy's ready to bring him up, we're going to bring him up, right? Keep him around for that. But I also wouldn't be opposed to seeing something like the Khan family purchasing WWE. I wouldn't be in favor? favor of that. And the only reason the reason I say this T though is because I think the Khan family would be smart enough to still run them to, as two
0: separate entities. Yeah, but here's here's the problem with that, in my opinion. We will have too many people wanting to, once they acquired a certain once they acquired a company, you can acquire the talent. Well, once you acquire the talent. They're going to rush through a lot of these matches that people have been wanting to see for a while. And to me, I'm sorry, a if we get a matchup between Kenny Omega and AJ Styles, I want that to have some build. I want that to be months and months in the work because of, you know, because guess what? AEW has a, has a working relationship with New Japan. You can use some of the footage from New Japan to tell that story. And then when that match happens, it's a bigger match. Like it's going to be a big match regardless, but when you tell the story, when think about it, when AEW is pulling in over a million viewers a week. It's a, especially like say with every with the fans coming back and everything, you're going to have you're going to have some casual people, you know, turn on the TV and be like, "Oh, watching and then they might get invested and then they'll see the story and then they'll be more invested and then they may tell their friends and then you have a bigger match whereas I'm like, I'll put you like this when FTR came to AEW the match everybody wanted to see was FTR versus the Young Bucks well guess what they waited I say roughly about six months for that match okay i was more invested in that and mind you it happened at aw full gear i was aw full gear that was the match i paid to watch to see but i okay. think you're
1: i also think you're also giving these companies an out for not telling you a good story they shouldn't have uh, they, they should still be able to have a match and still be able to tell you a story where you get invested to their match coming down the road.
0: Yeah, but think about it. If there's history there, then it's even better. It's
1: I don't know. Man. Be- I, you know what I? I could also see though, as far as purchase potential purchasers, I could see NBC Universal just as a whole saying, "Well, you know what? We'll buy this from you." Who we'll buy this? Because when you think about it, NBC as a whole doesn't really have a lot of live products. If you think about the the majority of of their products that they're presenting to people, it's not really a, a lot of live stuff. I mean, when was the last time they had a live show that was like a a, a consistent all year can get them ratings? Like they have shows like America's Got Talent, right? But the thing about that, that usually runs what during the summer? because they know that's something that if we put it if we start off at a certain point in the summer, we can get people to go watch it into the start of the fall TV programming because then and then America's Got Talent will be ending, and we'll be putting you into our new our, our new seasons of our shows and the new shows that we're introducing, right? But I could see NBC saying, hey, man, we don't really have a lot of live stuff, and this is something that we know is live and can get us ratings every week. uh, Ideally, Terrell, if you could pick somebody to be the purchaser of WWE under the constraints of they have to feasibly have the money to purchase it or at least have part Of the money to be able to
0: purchase it, who would you like to see do it? Mm, I really couldn't even tell you because, they say, because with the if it was the Khan family, I think it would just be too much. It would be too much, too quick. Uh, With NBC, I think that they wouldn't. They put a lot of people in place. Of course, they probably do the same thing that Vince did. put a lot of people in place that in wrestling and would literally just devalue it after a while so there's no one who I would want to say should do it if there was now if there was a group of people that got together there's one person who could be in that consortium that would make me be like okay I'm okay with this much like they did with the XFL, if The Rock got involved, I'd be okay. Okay. I can see that. I can see where you're at on that. But that's only if, like, say... And mind you, I'm not saying The Rock has the money to buy the WWE outright. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you have a group of people and they say, hey, Rock, listen, you know this world better than we do. Say, we want you to help run this. And Rock's just like, okay... I'm pretty sure Rock's going to be hitting up some of his buddies from the wrestling circuit and be like, hey, listen this. Hey, come here, come here. And you know, let's say, even though they had a professional rivalry, personally, the Rock and Triple H are good. Mm-hmm. You, think Rock, you think Rock's going to be like, hey, Triple H, you're out? No. Rock's basically going to just say, you know what? You're doing a good job with these guys. Hey, I want you to help run. I want you to keep running NXT. And then you and Sean like say, much like you said, hey, let's know when the guy's ready to go up to Ron SmackDown. Um, and I'm pretty sure he would put some people, some competent people, in place to run Ron SmackDown. <laughs> okay, let me. Uh, let, obviously, let me, uh, competency in in for the Raw side is very very low, and then SmackDown more competent, but not entirely, you know full-scale, hey, we're fully invested in this. Hey, if it wasn't for Roman Reigns, SmackDown would not be as good a show as it is.
1: Well, let me ask you this, though. Okay, so let's just talk hypothetical, okay? WWE gets a new owner, because let's say we're right, you know, they're they're clearing the decks so they can get in a new owner, okay? Do you feel like that cures their problems, though? No. No. Because, yeah, because I think, and the reason why I'm asking this is because we talked about recently where I think one of the biggest differences in WWE's product from the Attitude Era to now is they do not have a foil. They do not have an overall foil to anything. You know, there's no one person that is playing the overarching villain role like Vince McMahon was for so many years. And with wrestling, I think because fans got so accustomed to having that, you need some type of, of overall foil. I mean, it, let's just be honest: you can actually go over the history of wrestling, and there's usually an overall like foil that is, you know, the the behind the scenes working guy that is in every industry, in every big federation. I mean, even going back to the territory days.
0: Who is that now? Who do they have? I say, in all honesty, they don't have anyone. And the only people that we see on, on Raw and SmackDown are Sonia Deville and Adam Pierce. And they're not bad guys. They're just a, they're a WWE officials. And even in NXT, let's say you have William Regal as the commissioner or general manager, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And he's not even and he's he's so beloved because of his time, like he's not a bad guy neither. There's no like overarching villain really in the industry. I mean, let's say Excuse all, of the, all of the all all elite wrestling, let's say they have multiple villains, but guess what? You know, the biggest villains out there are the elite because of the fact that everybody knows that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are executive vice presidents. And you know, you could, you could be like, oh, well, they did this, oh, they did that, oh, they did this, oh, they did that, yeah. But mm-hmm. we already knew that and yet they're not really throwing that weight around like they should. Like, they're not doing anything that's like inherently like, oh, well, we should hate them because of this. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. when uh, Nick Jackson does that caca thing when he's in promos, that makes me go, what in the what in the blue Christmas is he doing? But he's doing that just to mess with people, and it messes with me. So he's succeeding. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but we'll, we'll we'll have to see what happens after all these releases. Because right now there's there's gonna there's gonna be a lot of talent. Like, dude, think about it. we're already past the the a 90-day no-compete clause for a lot of talent that was released back in April. So keep your eyes out on the wrestling world, everybody, because I'm pretty sure we're gonna see the iconics pop up. You know, we're gonna see Peyton Royce and and Billy Kay pop up, you know, or Cassie Lee and Jessica McKay, wherever, wherever names they decide they want to use, uh post-WWE. We're gonna see them pop up sooner or later. If anything. I would be okay with them showing up in Impact because Impact actually has women's tag team titles, and those two basically have stated in interviews that they're a package deal. Like, oh, you want her? You want me? Oh, well, what do you want? Do you want my friend? Oh, no. Well, I'm good on that. I say Mm -hmm. that's, that's one of those things that those two have stated. So we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, let's say Chelsea Green has already popped up in Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor. Already. I'm I'm waiting for the moment that she shows up on AEW, which may not may not happen because of the fact that you know Matt Cardona is not part of AEW. And Matt Cardona could have been because guess what? One of Matt Cardona's best friends is Cody Rhodes. Matt Cardona has appeared on AEW a couple times. But he was never signed to him. So we'll we'll see what happens down the road. But woo, woo woo you know it. But you also know, but also, Jerome, speaking of AEW, we are less than a week away from the debut of AEW Rampage, my friend. And the debut episode is gonna be taking place in Pittsburgh, or If you want to, you know, take a cue from a certain dentist slash doctor, Britsburg, that's right. It's going to be AEW Rampage in Pittsburgh, the hometown of AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. And yes, I did the finger thing when I did that. Jerome can't see me and neither can y'all, but hey, guess what? I did it. So... Drome, I have to I have to say, Rampage is gonna be an hour hour show. I'm kind of excited for it.
1: What has got you so excited for it though? Like, what do you think is gonna be the best part about it, considering an hour is not really a lot of time for them to operate, Amber? Like if we're being honest about it.
0: If we're being honest about it. I would have to say one of the reasons why I'm excited is because it's going to give some talent a little bit more exposure. Yes. Yes, we know Christian Cage is going to be there. We know Britt Baker is going to be there. But, hey, first show, you got to make it special, okay? Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, I'm excited because I remember a time when NXT was only an hour-long show. And it was amazing. Now, granted, NXT did that on the network, and they didn't have all the... They didn't have to worry about commercials and everything like that. So we're probably going to be looking closer to like a 45-minute show. But if we get an hour A, hey, it's going to be a lot of picture-in-picture. Picture. I'm excited to see what they do with it, because think about it. AEW Dynamite? I'll put you like this, Jerome. During during the Wednesday night war between NXT and AEW... If I was at home and I was able to watch either program, I was watching AEW because there's just a different vibe about AEW and about AEW Dynamite than there was about NXT. So I'm excited to see what they do. And plus thing by Jerome, they're going to be in Chicago the following week. There's a lot of rumors going around that we may see a certain uh, person arrive in Chicago, at that particular AEW r- Rampage, I don't think he will. You don't think he will? I mean, like say, I think they're I mean, saving him for a big pay per view moment.
1: I think yeah, they but, want. <clears throat> I think they want him to like. He's. I, I feel like he's the type of person they're bringing out, like the week of the pay per view to get the buys up. I mean, I don't know. Do you see it differently? How do you feel like that they could use him now with enough time spread out between now and the next pay-per-view? It's like, do you feel like they could use him in a good enough way for that extended amount of time to still make it as impactful as a move as what they're wanting?
0: Here's the thing. Like, because if you do if you do him for a pay-per-view, what what are you going to have him show up like they did with uh, Mark Henry at Double or Nothing? Or are you because Mark Henry came in as a commentator and as the, as backstage, as a coach, and stuff like that. Whereas you get a guy like CM Punk, everybody wants to see Punk in the ring. Okay? Let's just be honest about it. They want to see him mix it up with, with a guy like Kenny Omega. And think about it. If you announce in Chicago, if, if Punk shows up in Chicago, and he's just like, hey, I'm here and he confronts Kenny Omega, guess what? That's a big match to sell All Out to the people that don't already have tickets to it. Whereas, and because right now, they're, they're kind of like dallying with Christian Cage. I'm I'm sorry, but with, when it comes to AEW All Out, since you're not going to give Hangman the shot, I want, let's say, I don't think it should go to Christian Cage. Christian Cage, as much as I like Christian over the years, has not been someone that I, when I think of, oh yeah, this is good. But a guy like Christian Cage is not going to be a sell. CM Punk is the sell. Cause if you announce that Punk's, you know, let's say, going to be an all out. Yeah. But like I say, even still the Christian Cage thing, okay, there's a little bit of history with Kenny Omega. But what's the bigger, what's the bigger sell? Christian Cage versus. Kenny Omega at all out or is it CM Punk versus Kenny Omega at all out in Chicago? I mean, you have a point. I'm just going to like, do
1: you feel like they're playing the short term game with CM Punk or the long term? Cause like what you're saying to me
0: sounds more like the short, short term game. Here's the thing. If they are playing the long term game, Hangman Page would be in that main event right now. It already be penciled in it all out. They're they're running short term First part.
1: Okay, that's fair. I mean, it, when you when you say they're going short short term, okay, I could see that being the thing. But like, I just don't. If the, if they plan on going long term with him, I think it'd be a very foolish foolish decision to push back. Hangman pages like storyline. People have been waiting for that payoff, so I think that's. I don't. I, I don't feel like that Omega and Punk is something that needs the title in order to make it relevant. I think it's relevant just because you've been waiting for forever for these guys to be able to wrestle each other.
0: I mean, they say on. we'll have to see because let's say time for all y'all there and in the know TK is a smart man but let's say pushing like me personally when it comes to Hangman Page I thought that two years after the date that he failed to win the AEW title at the same venue in the same location would have been a better story to crown him because we know eventually Adam Page is going to be the world champion We just don't know when because we all saw it all out. And who knows? Maybe they're giving us a gigantic swerve. Hell, maybe there's gonna be hell, maybe, maybe somehow, some way, they are going to eventually they're in the next couple weeks that Paige is going to get that title shot. Shot. And then, you know, and then hey, his first feud is against Christian Cage. You know, because we all know Christian works better as a heel, and he's been kind of, like, you know, teetering on going heel, but not going full heel. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things where we're going to have to see down the road. I'm not sure where it's going, because me personally, as a fan of AEW, I would rather see Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page at All Out, because of the fact that it tells the story of two years of, to this man getting his redemption for think about it, the greatest accomplishment in his life happened on the same at the same venue as the greatest failure of his of his career.
1: No, I That's look, I don't disagree with you. I, I thought it would have it was gonna play out in that way, but I guess they uh since they decided they were getting Daniel Bryan and uh, CM Punk, they needed to do something different, which. I think it's a foolish thing to do, but hey,
0: I'm not the one in charge, right? And then plus, like I say, plus think about right after All Out or at All Out, they could get Adam Cole because Adam Cole's contract is up after SummerSlam weekend. Guess what? SummerSlam weekend is the 21st and 22nd. Hey, after the 22nd, Adam Cole's contract is up. You know what happens when your contract's up? You don't have a no-compete clause. That man could be on TakeOver on Sunday and on Dynamite on Wednesday, or they may wait for All Out. You never know. Because Adam Cole does have Britt Baker there, and it's already going to be, and he already has a connection to it. Plus, like I say, his whole relationship with the Bullet Club and, and the Bucks and Kenny, I mean, we could see that happen. But we don't know, and we'll find out in the weeks to come. But in the meantime, we'll, I want to thank everybody for listening. We appreciate it. Remember to tell your friends, family, any wrestling aficionados, any MMA aficionados, anybody who likes to hear Jerome Shenettians on people or anybody who likes entertainment, please tell them to listen. We are on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. And Jerome, you know what time it is. Drop the socials. Oh, everywhere it's at, J. Span, the man. Oh, by
1: the way, I'm sorry. I forgot, people. I, I didn't want to cheat y'all. I did have a clown of the week. I just I went a little long on other things. So I, I tried to wrap it up for everybody. Clown of the week was Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party for now backpedaling and saying that people should get the vaccine when they were the ones out here passing off the messaging that the vaccine was the same. But yes, those are the clowns of the week. But socials are at JSPAN demand everywhere. You already know.
0: All right. And you can find me at The Real Trade Camp on Twitter. And you can also find me on Instagram at TCAM underscore ITC. And please follow the Inside the Cage Instagram. That's right. That's Inside with Two Eyes. Please go ahead and follow. Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. Thanks for listening to the show. I am Terrell Campbell. I am your man, Terrell. And thank you once again for being locked inside. The Cage.